please rise and join us in singing Psalm 100. On behalf of the Board of Trustees and the faculty of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary, it's my privilege to welcome all those who are with us this evening, as well as those who are watching this ceremony online. We rejoice tonight in the Lord's goodness to us, and we honor God, especially this evening, for his work in the lives of these men who will be graduating. While we give thanks to the Lord this evening, we also want to express our gratitude to others who, whom he used to play a vital role in these last years of study, to parents and wives and children and siblings and friends and pastors and elders. We're also grateful to welcome and to thank, express our gratitude to supporters of the seminary who are here with us tonight. Many have devoted significant time and resources to the training up of these students. The Bible tells us to give honor to whom honor is due, and we thank and honor all of you this evening. We also hope that all of you here will join us for a reception following the ceremony in the Fellowship Hall area at the other end of the building, and we're grateful for those who work to prepare that for us. I also want to take an opportunity just this evening before we begin to introduce our speaker. 
He was educated at the University of Guelph, Tyndale University, and the University of Toronto. He was recently appointed as chairman of the Board of Trustees for the Banner of Truth, having served as a trustee there for many years. He was, until last year, a member of our Board of Trustees, a beloved member. He's pastor of Grace Presbyterian Church in Woodstock, Ontario, where he's been for 22 years and is active in supporting gospel outreach throughout the world, particularly expressed in a long-term commitment in South Asia. He and his wife Joan, who's here with him this evening, have six children, 20 grandchildren. And I want to say this about our speaker. He's been a godly example to many and a trusted counselor to many. And speaking personally, I count myself privileged to be in that number. In terms of his public ministry, perhaps the best way I can put it is this. When we think about Jeff Kingswood, we point, to, we point students to him. He represents the model of gospel ministry. And we say to our students, this is the kind of man you ought to emulate. We thank the Lord for him. And we look forward to sitting under his teaching this evening. So we welcome you to this evening of celebration, and we are grateful to the Lord for bringing us to this place. Let us pray. Ever-blessed God, our God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We come before you, acknowledging that you alone, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are God. You are from everlasting, and you are to everlasting. You are majestic in holiness, you are awesome in glory. You do great wonders. You are Lord enthroned above the heavens. You are the one who, out of nothing, created all things. You sustain all that is. And one day you will consummate all things. You will make a new heavens and a new earth, the home of righteousness. And God will be all in all. We come, Lord, on this special occasion to lift up our hearts and voices to you. We desire to acknowledge that from you and through you and to you are all things. To you, Lord, alone be the glory. We praise you for the condescension of your grace and love to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. And we bless you that you have brought us to a living, saving faith in your Son, who is the Lord, our righteousness. We come, Lord, seeking your blessing on this evening. We know that apart from you, we can do nothing. We seek the help and presence and power of the Holy Spirit, above all, in the ministry of your word. We pray, O God, that our hearts will be opened and that our minds and wills will be drawn 
and that you will possess all that we are, that we might be all our days to the praise of your glory. So hear us, we pray, ever blessed God. We are poor and needy, but you are our Father in heaven. The God who spared not his own Son, but who delivered him up for us all. So meet with us, we pray, ever blessed God, in our need tonight. May the Lord Jesus Christ be lifted high. May our hearts be warmed as we sit under the ministry of your word. Gracious Father, receive us, we pray. May your face shine upon us and be gracious unto us. And we ask it all in the great name of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We sing to God's praise one of the great hymns of the Reformation, I greet thee whom I sure Redeemer art.
Let's remain standing as we give our attention to the inspired and inerrant word of the Lord as we find it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to begin our reading at verse 11, reading through to the end of verse 21. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is... In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord endures forever. Please be seated. I would venture to guess that very few of you, if any, know the name Kevin Vickers. Vickers was a former member of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, the Royal Red. After his retirement, he became our parliamentary sergeant-at-arms. That's the man who is robed, much like we are tonight, carrying the mace representing royal authority into the parliament, allowing parliament to be convened. His role is largely ceremonial, but what many people don't know is that he's also responsible for the security of Parliament. That title, Sergeant-at-Arms, means something. In October of 2014, Vickers made headlines when a deranged individual shot and killed a soldier who was standing guard at our National War Memorial. After shooting that soldier, he ran into Parliament attempting to assassinate members of the government. Vickers ran to his office, retrieved his firearm, and shot the assailant dead. He was hailed as a, a hero, a man who had done his work coolly, efficiently, and ensured the safety of all those under his charge. 
Two years later, Vickers made headlines again. He'd been appointed ambassador to Ireland, the Canadian ambassador to Ireland. And while he was at a Remembrance Day ceremony uh, at uh, a, a cenotaph, a war memorial in Ireland, a, an individual rushed the dignitaries, rushed at the Prime Minister of Ireland. And Vickers, there as a diplomat, jumped to his feet, tackled the fellow, and subdued him before the Irish police even blinked. They thanked him for his efforts, but he was castigated in the press. Why the difference? A hero in the one instance, but as ambassador he was rebuked. It was because his conduct was not ambassadorial. He ought to have let the bodyguards and the soldiers present handle the threat. It wasn't his jurisdiction. He should have left it to the professionals. I'm sure the Prime Minister of Ireland was thankful he didn't. But an ambassador has a role to play, a certain role that is clearly defined. There are protocols and procedures. Tonight I want to think about what it means to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ as we're told in verse 20 of 2 Corinthians 5. In the second letter to the church of Corinth, the apostle is explaining the impact of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ on the individual believer and in the life of the church. In the first seven chapters, he spends a considerable amount of time explaining the apostolic ministry and his ministry. And in these verses that we read this evening, we see the apostle describing what it means to be in Christ, to be a new creation in Christ, to be reconciled. Did you notice how often that word appeared in the text? Reconciliation. Jesus Christ has come to reconcile us. As a gift from God, he also calls us, the apostle says, to this ministry of reconciliation. Calvin notes that this is the preeminent requisite for ministry. It seems almost redundant to say it, but history shows us that there's need for caution here. We must first be citizens of the kingdom if we're going to be ambassadors of it. Calvin writes, Learning, it is true, and eloquence, and other endowments are valuable and worthy to be honored. But where the fear of the Lord and an upright conscience are wanting, all the honor for them goes for nothing. Let no one, therefore, glory in any distinction inasmuch as the chief praise of Christians is self-renunciation. And he means by that self-renunciation not simply self-denial in service, although, gentlemen, you are called to that, but a renunciation of the natural man, of our sinful past. We, we have seen the glory of the risen Christ, we've been set free for righteousness. We've been given faith ourselves to rest in and trust God's gracious provision for our reconciliation. And now we're called to go out with that message. In verses 18 and 19, we see a, a similar 
pattern, God-given qualification and God-given call. In verse 18, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Then again in verse 19, that is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. That is, says the apostle, it's as if he is saying, in case you missed it the first two times, God has reconciled us to be ministers of reconciliation. It can't be said often enough, as is clear by the apostles' repeated emphasis on it. This is the message that we have been charged with, a message of reconciliation. That the communion with God that was lost in the garden by the rebellion of sin has been graciously restored, not by any effort on our part, but sovereignly and wholly by God seeking reconciliation with us, providing reconciliation. And that brings us to verse 20 that I'd like to think about tonight. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Therefore, because of the realities of the preceding verses, we are ambassadors for Christ. It's a glorious calling. Now, some say that the we here is apostolic, and we ought not to consider ourselves in this same category, but insofar as our ministry is apostolic in the sense of Acts 2.42, that we persevere in the apostolic teaching, I think it's safe to say that we are ambassadors of that message. Ambassadors of Christ the King. In my nation, in Canada, ambassadors to Canada from other lands arrive in Ottawa and they present their credentials in Rideau Hall, which is a few miles away from the Parliament buildings. It's a small palace, really. And it's guarded with the bare skin, hatted, red serge, coated guards, the Governor General's foot guards. Looks like a miniature Buckingham Palace. And there in the reception hall, ambassadors come and present their credentials. And the credentials are received not by the Prime Minister, which you might think would be logical, but the credentials are received by the Governor General, the Vice Regal Representative the representative of our king. This is above the prime minister's pay grade. The governor general, the head of state. Now that's symbolic to a large degree. But it's clear the symbolism of this is these are the king's matters. They're not to be contaminated with Politics. These ambassadors come to deal with the king and his subjects, to deal with the king's matters. And as these ambassadors present their credentials, they're recognized by the king. 
I have two sons in the military. And the commissions of the officers in our armed forces are signed not by the Prime Minister or the Minister of Defense. They're signed by the Queen. Well, now the King. Or the Governor General in their stead. It's clear there are some things that are too important to be entrusted to politicians. We might say most things are too important to be trusted to politicians. But this ambassadorial duty is one of those things. There are some of us here tonight, the Hamiltons, the Kingswoods, the Dailies, the Medolowards, who pledge allegiance to two kings, Charles and the King of Kings, the Lord Jesus Christ. It helps us to think of our calling in those terms. It may be hard for Americans, I don't know. But you've been called by a king to this task. Not someone who's elected for a time, whose time in office varies depending on public moods, but by a king. And you've been called to serve that king's church. Larger Catechism, question 63. I won't embarrass you by asking if you can tell me what it is. But it says, what are the special privileges of the visible church? It says, the visible church has the privilege of being under God's special care and government. Of being protected and preserved in all ages, notwithstanding the opposition of all enemies and enjoying the communion of the saints the ordinary means of salvation, and listen to this, and offers of grace by Christ to all the members of it in the ministry of the gospel, testifying that whosoever believes in him shall be saved and excluding none that will come unto him. Offers of grace by Christ in the ministry of the gospel. When an ambassador speaks, he speaks the words of his king. The king is speaking. That's why Kevin Vickers' actions in Ireland were criticized, even by those who admired his gumption, because King Charles hadn't told him, or Queen Elizabeth at the time, hadn't told him to, uh, to floor suspected attackers. I mean, that's beneath a king, isn't it? He has a troop of soldiers for that. But our king calls us to announce this great and glorious fact that the apostle emphasizes so clearly that God is reconciling the world to himself through Jesus Christ. As verse 21 so wonderfully says, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I'm sure you've exegeted that verse in Greek. You've looked at it in your soteriology or your Christology. And we could spend the whole evening unpacking it, but that's beyond the scope of what I want to charge you with this evening. The point is, that's the message that we as ambassadors have been given. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. 
The message is God has done it. Christ has satisfied divine justice on your behalf. You may be righteous in God's sight. You may be reconciled to God. God is no longer angry with your sin. God promises to receive you. Even as the father received the prodigal son. That's our message. And we go with that message as ambassadors. And ambassadors are conscious of the limitations of their role. We speak the king's words, not our own. We're not free to tamper with the message. And we don't look at the message as we go in to our audience and, oh, that's a little harsh. We better tone that down a bit. No. We speak the words of the king. We don't add to them. We don't delay in its delivery. We're the messenger. Brothers, as we preach the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, God is making his appeal through us. That is, at one and the same time, glorious, exhilarating, terrifying. And overwhelming. If we rightly understand this call, it drives us to our knees. Knowing that we were wholly inadequate for this calling and our education has not made us fully adequate for it. You've been prepared. You've been given tools. You've been taught counseling. You've been taught how to preach. But all of those things that are represented on the diploma that you'll receive this evening are not sufficient for this ministry. You need to be on your knees imploring God to give you grace to faithfully execute your high calling as an ambassador of Jesus Christ. God is making his appeal through you. Every word matters. The Apostle Paul addresses this in 2 Corinthians 4.2 when he writes, we've renounced disgraceful underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. The Apostle had a clear conscience because he didn't resort to the artifices of rhetoric, to the Jesuitical sophistries of others of his age. His calling was simply to faithfully speak the king's message. An ambassador doesn't seek to make a name for himself. I was speaking with a gentleman a few years ago and we were talking about our emails, and I'm, I'm a notorious deleter. I delete things, and I probably delete too much. But he said, oh, I save everything, and I print it out, and I keep it in binders. And I said, why? He said, so when they write my biography, they'll have all the source material. 
And I was aghast. It actually made me sick to my stomach. Because I thought, you are in the ministry for the wrong reasons. The ambassador eschews publicity. He doesn't want to be in the public eye. Because in every action and word, there's the potential for criticism. And the ambassador does not want to do anything that will reflect badly on his king. He isn't wasting his time, or worse, posting provocative opinions on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever the latest social media is. He's not trying to provoke a scorching debate or to score points on his opponents. He heeds the apostles' warning to Timothy in Titus 3.9. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. Paul knows young men. That's why the word for ambassador here is so interesting. Pres. You omen. The same root for which we get presbyter or presbyterian. The lexicon will tell you that in a secular context, it means elder statesman. Brothers, be wise presbyters. Don't waste your time on blogs, on social media on that which is unprofitable and worthless, or worse, that which will give the enemy an opportunity to dishonor the name of the king. Brothers, be ever so mindful, that not just in the pulpit, but in your visitation to homes that are in difficulties, or hospitals where people may be breathing their last, And families are in anguish. Or to families that are rejoicing in a new birth. You have opportunity to speak into those situations. The message of our king, be reconciled. Be reconciled. God is making his appeal through us. When I was in seminary many, many years ago. You'll be able to date it by this. Uh, The works of Henry Nouwen, the Dutch Roman Catholic theologian, were in vogue. The Return of the Prodigal, uh, The Wounded Healer, they were two of his most notable works. And they stressed what Nouwen called incarnational ministry. And by that he meant that the way we live, we communicate Christ. And there's there's an element of truth in that. He would go so far as to say that we are the incarnation of Christ. When in our brokenness we identify with a broken world. I won't go into all of the potential heresies there. Without the message of reconciliation to Jesus Christ, that's just empathy. There's a place for empathy. But empathy apart from the message of reconciliation to God through Jesus Christ is damning. We're not called to new and innovative 
ways to represent Jesus. We're not called to to perfect the program that will revolutionize every church, whether it's purpose-driven something or the city for or whatever it is. We're called to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Brothers, preach the word. The Apostle Paul says to Timothy, preach it in season and out of season. I think you would probably agree that in our culture in these days, we're probably out of season. There are times when the ambassador's message isn't popular. When he's called by his king to go and and bring perhaps a rebuke along with the message of reconciliation. But we're to preach the word. The incarnation that we preach is is not so much living out Christ, although we're called to that. But it's the proclamation of the incarnation of Jesus. He who knew no sin, who became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. That's our message. Our king speaking through us. God making his appeal through us. When when an ambassador is summoned by his host country or asks for an audience with another king, there's, there's an urgency to it. When your president gets a message saying the Russian ambassador would like to speak to you at 10 o'clock, that means something. It's urgent. It's not going to go through the State Department. Brothers, your time in ministry will be short. I find it hard to believe I'm saying that after 30-some years in ministry, but it will be short. And the importance of the message cannot be stressed enough. You don't want to come to the 25-year mark of your ministry or the 35-year mark of your ministry or, Lord willing, the 50-year mark of your ministry and say, how many wasted opportunities. But rather that you would be known as a man who is always imploring men and women to be reconciled to God through the love of Jesus Christ. Brothers, ambassadors are gentlemen, or I guess today gentlewomen, marked with decorum, respect, good character. And all of those things are important, they're vital, and they're part of your call as a Christian. But the chief call upon you is that you are called to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ, to implore the world to be reconciled to God. Brothers, be faithful ambassadors. Be faithful ambassadors. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come this evening thankful for the glorious message that 
there is reconciliation, that our Savior Jesus has come to do for us that which we could not do, that in love you sent your Son to be the propitiatory sacrifice for our sins. And we thank you that you call men to the ministry of the proclamation of that message. Lord, we pray for these, our brothers, that you would sustain and strengthen them, that you would focus their energies and their understandings, that you would bless them to be faithful in their calling as ambassadors of our Lord Jesus Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen. Our hymn is Love Divine, All Love's Excelling. Let's stand to sing.
be seated. Well, it's my privilege now with the assistance of the chairman and vice chairman of our board to award these degrees on behalf of the Board of Trustees and the faculty of Greenville Seminary. So I'll ask the candidates for the degree of Master of Divinity to please rise. On behalf of the Board of Trustees of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary, it's my honor to present the following men who, having completed the course of study proscribed by the seminary for the Master of Divinity degree, are now hereby awarded that degree. Brendan James Brannigan. Timothy Evan Cook. Matthew James Easel. Joseph Michael Gehrman. Kirk Patrick Gibbons. Eli James Herzl. Stuart James Ireland. Bradney E. Lopez. Vinicius Silva Pimentel. Caleb William Willingham. 
This evening we have a candidate graduating with the degree Master of Arts, James Ryan Lee. And graduating this evening with the Bachelor of Divinity degree, Adam Edward Christofik. Congratulations to all our graduates this evening. It's my privilege this evening to make some special academic announcements. One announcement that we make publicly every year at this time is that each of our professors and each of our trustees have reaffirmed their subscription to our standards of the church as they do every year. They've done so publicly and willingly and without exception. And the second academic announcement I have relates to the, uh, the assumption of duties by Dr. William Van Dudewaard. He uh, began serving as professor of church history and has served this year in that capacity as well as as academic dean. Dr. Van Dudewaard could not be with us this evening. He'd previously committed to addressing the graduates of Reformed Presbyterian Theological Seminary in Pittsburgh, but we are delighted to announce that change, that addition to our faculty this evening. Let us pray together. O oh Lord our God, you are the God of grace and glory, power and strength. You are the overflowing fountain of good, and every good and perfect gift comes from you. You are the God who has made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and the heavens declare your glory. The firmament shows your handiwork. You are the God of our redemption, of reconciling grace and mercy, eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord in whose name we pray to you, the Father. We praise you that you are the God who has turned us from death to life by the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, the power of the Holy Spirit. We come to you this evening to praise you, the triune and living God, and to look for, to you for continued blessing. Tonight, O oh God, we pray with thanksgiving for what we have been able to witness and for your grace and help for this school and these graduates. Lord, we would also pray for your help for those continued labors. We ask you, O oh God, that you would bless the board with faithfulness in doctrine, wisdom in administration, holiness in conduct, and unity in the spirit and the bond of peace. We intercede, O oh God, again for her faculty, that they would be holy steadfast in life and doctrine, 
that they would know your blessing and the unction of your Holy Spirit, that they would have godly homes, fruit on their teaching, preaching, and giving of counsel, and that you would make them a blessing to the work of your church. Tonight, O oh God, we would remember at this 32nd commencement the many graduates who have gone before Bless ongoing ministries, growing families, established churches, and mission works. We pray for her current students, the students of this School of the Prophets, that tonight would be a sober and joyful reminder that study here has an end, and that ahead lies the completion of one kind of service to Christ and the beginning of another. Grant to them, we pray, faithfulness in preparation. Lord, joy in the Holy Spirit, piety in private with their families and with your people, and increased love for Christ. We pray again for tonight's graduates, O oh God. We thank you for them and for what we could witness here. We pray that your blessing would go with them, that their faith in Jesus Christ would not fail, that they would be useful in the, as instruments in the hands of the Redeemer and as ambassadors of you, Lord Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. We pray for those who will enter the sacred office, that they would be careful, faithful, and powerful in preaching, that they would be diligent in the administration of the sacraments, and that they, as under-shepherds of you, the great shepherd, Lord Jesus, would care for the flock that is among them. Grant them the unction and power of your spirit, holiness of life and fruitfulness of labor to the glory of you, the triune God. And we pray, O oh God, for future students. Here we are reminded that you are the Lord of the harvest, and as we have asked you, the Lord, for laborers, for the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Tonight we ask again. We pray, O oh God, that you would continue to fill the halls of this school with men willing to give their lives in service to Christ here and to the ends of the earth. Lord, we pray for many more that in this present darkness, the bright light and glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ would be declared with faithfulness, fervency, and power to the glory of you, the triune God who lives and reigns forever. We come tonight, O oh God, with praise and supplication, for you have again tonight constrained us to joyfully take up the work that you call us to do. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that your yoke is easy, your burden is light, that you give us rest for our souls. Receive our thanksgiving, we ask. Forgive our sins. Grant us a new sense of the glory of your kingdom the honor of service in it. We pray that you would build your church. And we ask, O oh Father, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. We continue by singing together our closing hymn, a prayer for God's leading and grace. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, as printed in your program.